This morning we're going to be continuing on in the series we've been going on. Actually, we're going to be starting next week going back to when we're working in 1 Samuel. But this morning on the first Sunday of the month here in which we are now in a new year, I thought it would be good for us to kind of think of what we need to be doing, what we should be doing. One of the things I was encouraged by last week is I had several people come up to me and said, do you remember that Bible reading thing we were going to do for the one year of the New Testament? I did it. And I was like, take me now, Jesus. <laughs> is there really a single person that did it? And I was really surprised because several other people came up and said they had done it too. And one of them, who I won't look at, I'll just point with the red shirt and say, not only did he do it, but he's going to start over and do it again. And I was like, thank you, Lord. That was a good thing for us to do. And I'm glad we did it. And by the way, it's never too late to do that. And if you did not do it, there's probably people around you that have an extra one or the one that they use. They'd be happy to let you do that as well. But that has certainly been a good thing for our congregation. But as we think about this last year and how God's using God's word in our lives, and for that it's encouraging, I wanted to think about something that I think that is really essential for Grace Redeemer Community Church. And it's an issue that all of us give lip service to. It's something that's important we say to all of us, and yet... It's something that we struggle with. And it is important, like for today, we're having sort of a prayer and praise service, that we recognize how important it is for us as a community, as individuals, to recognize how important prayer is as individuals and as a community. Now, I can't imagine anybody in this room would say, well, I don't believe that. We all believe that. The problem is living it. It's interesting. We got in the car this morning. I got it going, the van got it going in a little bit cold and thought, waiting for the girls to come out. And I was listening to a pastor and I thought, I heard that name before. It's one of those guys from Scotland or something with those wonderful voices. And it turned out it was Alistair Begg who's had a great ministry, a good ministry. And what was interesting, he was talking about the fact that he was at this big ministry, I mean, excuse me, at this big conference and he was going to be a speaker. And he talked about the fact that, you know, he was you know, getting ready for the thing, and they were going to have a prayer time at 9 o'clock, and he realized he got into a discussion with a guy, and he missed it. Then the next day, he missed it again. He got in an argument with a guy about England and Wales and that whole stuff, and he started realizing, you know, we've been here now on the third day, and I haven't been at a single one of these things. I'm supposed to be talking about the importance of prayer, and I haven't made it. And then he went on with the rest of his message, and he did a very good job, and then, of course, somebody pulled in here and stopped but it reminded me of the fact that all of us as Christians would say prayer is essential. And yet most of us, if we're honest, would say prayer is one of the most difficult things for us. Prayer is a real enigma. In one sense, prayer is so simple that a child can understand the good news of Christ. They can know that there's a heavenly father who cares for them and loves them. And that's a wonderful thing. And yet, on the other hand, prayer for many people is not an encouragement. It's a discouragement. The challenge of prayer is right there. There are people that, for example, that are going through deep times, who are very discouraged, who have lost a spouse, who have been through loss of jobs and who are discouraged. And they've prayed and they've prayed and people have prayed for them and others have prayed and sent them all notes and do this and do this. But the thing is, it does, they don't seem to get better. There's been a many, a many a Christian have had moments in their life when they think, you know what, what's the point? I've been praying for that son of mine that's been turned away from the Lord for 30 years, and he's just as pagan as he used to be. And a lot of times we're afraid to bring that up. 
Because a lot of times what we hear is the victory things. We got the victory, uh, you know, and we have to make this thing. Make it sound good. Make it sound good. Because we prayed and God, God kept our prayers and did it what he did. And that's all great. We love it when we say the answer prayer. And we have seen that in our congregation over the last year, both in issues of health, but in jobs, things like that. We have so much to be thankful for. We're going to have that opportunity to respond to that in just a little bit. But for every one that we have where we have this great victory in what God has given us, there's another person in the CPU that's sitting there thinking, it didn't work for me. I've been praying faithfully. I've been doing this. I've been serving, and it doesn't work for me. And that's why prayer has become such a challenge for us today. And it's interesting to see that people, you know, going back to Alistair Begg when he was talking about it, he was saying how easy it is for, you know, you talk about how, all, you know, how the Lord has done this, as the Lord has done this, but there's a real challenge here to us. The challenge of unanswered prayer is one of the most difficult things for Christians. And many people have given up because they have prayed so hard and feel like there must be something wrong with me. If I was just a better Christian, if I just tried harder, if I tithed a little more or something, then maybe God would answer my prayers, but it's not working for me. And tragically, there are people that are godly people who love the Lord who feel like, I guess that works for others. And if you go on the TV and you look to some of the TV evangelists, it sounds like, you know, God is up there. You put in your 50 cents and pull the bar and you get the promises you need. And that, you know, I guess maybe they make a lot of money that way, but that's not the reality of life. Good, godly men and women who have loved Christ have been the same people who go through difficult times, who are willing at times, maybe when they're with a friend, to say, I just don't get it and I don't know what's wrong. What, is it me? What's happening here? And so really what I want to ask for this year, as we look at this coming year that we just started in, if we did last year focusing on the importance of Scripture, reading the Scripture, it's all great. I encourage you to do that. I just finished Judges this early this morning. I've got Ruth coming up this afternoon. But that's great. Scripture's great. We'll always be doing it. But I really would like us to follow and kind of focus on this importance of prayer for us as individuals and as a congregation. And I think that's particularly important because we have people that have suffered, people that have gone through hard times, who have prayed and they've fasted and they've gotten all these encouragements and they hear the messages and it doesn't seem to work for them. There's been far too many who have just given up and said, what's the point? It's like praying to the wall. It's just about as effective as praying to the wall as praying to God. Why should I even care? Prayer needs to be as individuals, and as a congregation, a major, major focus for all of us. It is a privilege that we, as sinful people, redeemed by the Lord but still sinful, that we should have the opportunity to go and to get into the very presence of the Lord and to give a prayer and to have a relationship with him. That's an amazing gift. It's a wonderful gift for a lot of people. It brings also a lot of challenge and struggle. 2014, I really want to think of us be thinking about this, the priority of prayer. It's been so interesting to listen to some of the greatest people you ever meet. I mean, Alistair Big, famous guy, talking about the fact that how he struggles with prayer. And I don't know about you, but I have things, and I have times where it comes up, where I can think about 18 things I need to do before I really sit down and finally pray. Well, I'm going to get there, but first we've got to do that, and then I've got to do this. And by the time you've done it, well, then it's time to go to bed. And I was like, oh, well, I missed another one, didn't I? 
And then once you get out of that, it's easy to get out of the habit. And for some of us, it's not so much we do it. Maybe we do it, but it's like, you know, uh, our Father who is in heaven, humbly thy name. We've got that good. Take that care of. It's like, what is the point of that? Where God is calling us to a relationship with him through prayer, one of the greatest gifts that he can give us. And so what I want to do this morning is just kind of set the bar of where I want us to be able to go as a congregation. I know there's many of you that are great prayer warriors who love the Lord and are doing that, and there's a lot we can learn, and I'm so thankful for that. But I hope that during this year of 2014, as individuals and as a corporate body, that we will grow in our experience of knowing God and in a relation with Him through prayer. And I think that's true for all of us. I think the most godly person in the room, whoever this is, only God would know, I'll bet they'd be willing to say they have their own struggles. They have their own challenges. Prayer is not always something that comes on our own. It has to be something that comes where we say, Lord, help me, teach me to pray. When his disciples asked him, Lord, teach, us to teach me to pray, he told them, he said, okay. He asked you what you're going to say, our Father who art in heaven, that you have a Father in heaven. And you have the privilege of to be able to pray to him and to see what he would do in our lives. There's a great quote from Martin Luther. He said, as it is the business of tailors to make clothes and of cobblers to mend shoes, so is the business of Christians to pray. That's an interesting quote because I think for most of us, if I asked you, do I see business as a Christian to prayer? My, my work, my ultimate thing as a Christian is to pray. For most of us, that's not the case. We might wish it was the case. We may have had moments in our life when prayer was an important and essential part of who we are. But for most of us, we get tired, we get weary, maybe we get discouraged, and we find ourselves pulling away from the very Lord that calls us into relationship with him through prayer. And so this is what I'm asking of you. This is what I'm asking of me. I'm not asking you to do something that I do that you don't do. I struggle with prayer. I'll go to the end of the day and realize, did I ever read my Bible this morning? Did I ever spend any time in prayer? No. And yet I go back to my little prayer thing, the electronic one. I go through it and say, why did I not pray for that person? And yet we see how God works in such remarkable ways. This week, <coughs> excuse me, Many people would say, if you talk about people who live outside of America, they would say the weak spot in America is the, in the Western church was their lack of prayer. You go to other countries around the world where there's just terrible things, awful things, people are suffering, but for them, prayer is an important part of them. That's at the top of their list, not at the bottom of their list. And many would say that's part of the weakness of the church of America. Oh, yeah, we pray, get that done, but then we get to the good things, the important things. What I'm asking us to do is make that a priority. And that's the thing that we want to be focusing on. Dr. Wayne Grudem, who um, wrote one of the best um, books in theology, it's the best one used being today, most popular one, he puts it this way. He said, if we were really convinced that prayer changes the way God acts, and that God does bring about remarkable changes in this world in response to prayer, as scripture repeatedly teaches that he does, then we would pray much more than we do. He said this, if we pray little, it's probably because we don't really believe that prayer accomplishes much at all. 
No, I'm not going to ask those who believe that to raise their hand. I just want you to think about it. Is that true for some of us? The reason why prayer is such on the margins for most of us is because we really don't think it makes any difference. You might as well just talk to the, to the world, I mean, this, the, to the pictures, whatever you want to do. Or does it really make a difference when Christians on their knees are talking to their Heavenly Father? This is something I want us to be thinking through. Luke chapter 5, you don't have to turn to it if you don't want to, but it's an important passage. Jesus in prayer, the context of this is important. Jesus has been going along the Sea of Galilee, and he comes a group, group of guys. They've been fishing, and it's been a lousy time to fishing. They haven't caught anything. You know this story so well. Matthew and Luke both spend a lot of time on it. But in Luke chapter 5, he's walking along, and he goes. The guys are fishing up, fishing up their boats. They're getting all the lines out there. They're cleaning it all up. And Jesus goes in and walks in the boat. It's like, well, help yourself to just go in the boat. Did anybody ask you to go in the boat? No, I, I want to ask you something. I want you to take me out in the boat. We just fished. We've been fishing all day. We didn't catch anything. What's the point? I'd like you to go out with me in the boat. And so they go out into the boat, and you know the story that happens, and suddenly they, they get this unbelievable catch of fish, and they have to get another boat come over, and even that one's about ready to sink. And then they have this whole thing where all of a sudden they realize, this ain't normal. Because Jesus is here, we're about ready to, you know, to go under, because there's so many flopping fish in our boat. And why is this happening? It's because you're in the presence of Jesus the Messiah. And so what we have here is the early work of the disciples who are now going, and Jesus is going to say, very simple, follow me. And in doing so, tells them about now it's time to leave the boat. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And in that context, it's interesting that's going on. It said, while he was in one of the towns, this is Luke chapter 5, a man was there who had a serious skin disease. You're, if you have a different version, it might say leprosy. A lot of times they don't use leprosy anymore because it's a bigger group than that. He said, there was one who had a serious skin disease all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean, that is, healed. Reaching out his hand, he touched him, saving, said, I am willing to be made, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses um, said to, for, for the cleansing uh, as a testimony to them. And then this interesting verse, but the news about him spread even more. Large crowds would come together to hear him and be healed of their sickness. And notice this part in yellow. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. We all too often skip over that little passage. The part about the healing is wonderful. It's great. Isn't that neat what Jesus can do? But here's the point. There must have been thousands of people that needed to be healed. Jesus, many people say, well, Jesus, come on, you've got all this power. There's people that need to be they need healed. They need encouragement. They need strength. And Jesus is saying, you know what? It's time for me to stop because I need to stop to pray. Which brings always that great question. Why would Jesus have to pray? I mean, if he's the second person of the Trinity, I mean, if he knows all that's going on, why would he have to pray? I don't have a good answer for that other than the fact that he is in a relationship with his heavenly father. And because of that, it's necessary. 
Yet he often withdrew, not just once or twice, he often withdrew to deserted places. Pray. In other words, he needed time to be alone with his heavenly father. Which makes the great question saying, if the second person of the Trinity named Jesus Christ needed to spend time in prayer, what does that mean about us sinners? How much more do we need to have a relationship with God through prayer? How much more does that become a priority on our list of what I'm going to do this day, this week, this year? And I'm just want to say, as a person myself who has struggled for years over prayer, times have been very good, other times not as good, I would say I need, and I think we all need, to say here's an area where God is calling us to have a vibrant prayer life. And I think that's something that we could do that could be an important focus for us over this year. I think what I'd like to do over the, maybe these next months is ask people who maybe who have had certain experiences in prayer or they've, been, um, they've learned about something in prayer that they want to share, that we can be encouraging one another and how God has worked in our life through prayer. And so if you have ideas or thoughts, please talk to me or one of the elders or Dara that maybe things that we can learn. But this is what we're asking for 2014, Jesus said, yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. If it's good enough for him. And so they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's our prayer for 2014. Lord, teach us to pray. I like this quote, I'll close with this. The pulse of prayer is praise. The heart of prayer is gratitude. The voice of prayer is obedience. The arm of prayer is service. His point is prayer is not apart from all the other things we do or what we have. Prayer is a part of the whole picture. The pulse of prayer is praise, which we're going to do in just a little while. The heart of prayer is gratitude. That's going to be part of what we do. The voice of prayer is obedience. Because I do have a relationship with God through prayer, I want to live a life that's godly for him. The arm of prayer is service, serving others. It's a good way to describe the connectedness between prayer and the rest of what we do. What we want to do, in just a little bit, we're going to have a couple times, one of guided prayer. There is going to help us. We're going to have an open prayer. And we'll give you some instructions along the way. But many of us realize we've been through a good year for some. For some, it's been a terrible year. For some people, it's just been okay. But for people like us who have a purpose and who have been together and seen God's working in so many ways, we have so much to be thankful for. And so what we want to do for the rest of this service is we're going to be moving in this direction of how do we respond to that God who is so faithful to us.